Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 98 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer-director-producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm your co-host, Matt Crandall, here with my co-host, Marcelo Inestroza, as we continue our rewatch of Fringe Season 2. Today, we are going to be talking about Episode 17, White Tulip, and Episode 18, The Man from the Other Side of the Second Season, the first episode up, White Tulip, aired April 15th, 2010, written by Jeff Lambing and J.H. Wyman, directed by Thomas Yatsko. Marcelo, do you have a sense of deja vu going right now or what? I really adore this episode for multiple reasons, but for some reason, I just wanted to say you're coming with me, dead or alive. To see, you know, a great actor like Peter Weller be a scientist who was obsessed with time travel and the reason that he's obsessed with time travel is a really heartbreaking story and it is just so so upsetting once you figure out why he's doing what he's doing and i really like i really like the way that uh this week's main story really made walter understand that the best thing for him to do was to keep the secret away from Peter, was to not tell him that he was from the other side because the cost would be so high. So I really loved this episode because of the emotional story being told with Peter Weller's character that all he was trying to do was save his wife who died in a car accident. So that in particular affected me vastly because there are many people in my life that if I had the ability to go back in time, I would I would risk it and I would try and save them. But I wouldn't necessarily understand the consequences of doing that. So I just loved that whole paradigm of this episode. Yeah, it's a good one. And it's one that Fringe has used before. This is not the first guy who's doing anything to save his wife. In previous season, we had the guy who was taking his spinal fluid to keep his wife from becoming this horrible monster, even if it was going to kill him. So we've had similar stories where these mad scientist guys are doing things with a lot of collateral damage because they are trying to save the one they love. So it is a standard trope, but it is done really well. And the way that they get us to care is by casting a recognizable face as the man who's doing this and getting Peter Weller to play Peck was really good. You know, you mentioned dead or alive. You're coming with me. They do a thing where as this episode goes on, we find out this guy Peck is trying to go back in time and he's trying to become a time traveler. And the way that he has been able to do this is not by creating a time travel device out of a phone booth or a DeLorean. It is actually in his body. He has transformed his body in some sort of Cronenberg-esque crimes of the future way, but also very reminiscent of a man who became a robot, RoboCop, who was this human cyborg mix. And here's Peter Weller doing repairs to his rig, which is in his flesh. So I thought that was pretty fitting that you're going to get a guy who has turned himself into a machine and you get one of the most famous machine man that we've got in the business so that was pretty great having that RoboCop connection that any sci-fi fan is probably going to know RoboCop. So Fringe used that to their advantage for us to care and be invested in Peck so that when we find out why he's doing this, we don't want him to fail necessarily. We want Team Fringe to get their job done, but we care about this guy. So I liked that dynamic and opening it with this train scene where we find out 
that in order for his time travel device to work, he needs a super huge amount of power. Power that is not easily gained, and he can drain it from not only machines and batteries, but people. And so having that horrific image of the train where everything people machine all literally just stops because there's no juice left was really interesting and i liked when they were investigating that in the beginning of this episode you mentioned it when peter weller or 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 the character that peter weller plays in this episode time travels uh because he needs so much energy anybody within the immediate area of him time traveling dies when he time travels if i got it correctly uh everything that he did gets erased right so so that day sort of reset so I really like the groundhog aspect of this episode because we don't really know how many times our fringe team has investigated this specific crime. And every time that Peter Weller for quote unquote jumps, we see scenes that we have seen before through different angles. And I really like I really like the way that the director uh, uh, showed us the same scenes, but from different angles. It was really interesting because we do replay those opening events more than once to see slightly different things because Peck has reset the timeline by going back. And of course, this gives the team fringe a sense of deja vu, which gets a little bit confusing because in previous episodes of fringe, we have actually described deja vu as being the other universe bleeding over into your memories. And that is not what's happening because Peck is resetting the timeline. So if you've been like really following along with fringe theories, this kind of ignores some of the science that they have set up previous to put this universe war on the back burner while we do this mystery of the week that thematically directly relates to Walter's big ordeal. And having Walter trying to write this letter to Peter at the beginning, it's quite a journey that Walter goes on even if half of his days have been rewound. The clock has been turned back and some of the events of this didn't happen. One thing I do want to mention, I'm always the Vancouver Vancouver guy, but any other genre fans might have noticed that the young man on the train in the first scene would go on to star on The 100 on the CW, and he would play John Murphy, and the scene immediately after that is Olivia asking a waitress at a restaurant some questions, and that young woman would also be on the CW's The 100 as badass warrior Octavia. So Murphy and Octavia from The 100, a show that ran seven seasons, six of them which were great. So I thought that was kind of interesting that we see two characters who would end up on the same show in the same episode of Fringe, which it must have been like a similar casting director situation, but I thought I would call that out for any fans of The 100. And the heart and emotion of this episode, truly though, comes from the scene where Walter and RoboCop have their tete-a-tete. Marcelo, what are you thinking when Peter Weller is trying to repair himself and Walter gets in there to kind of unburden himself with his own baggage and try and get to the heart of what is driving Peck? It was such a good scene because nobody in this universe can understand what Peck is trying to do. The only person that can understand what Peck is trying to do is Walter. So I really like that Walter had that tete-a-tete with him and he said, listen, I understand what you're going through, but I also like the fact that Walter tried to semi-talk him out of it, but not really. And I also like that Walter said, listen, if you continue to do everything the way that you're doing, every time you jump, you're going to kill 
a massive amount of people. So you have to make sure that you jump in an area that doesn't have that many people, you know, in it or around it. And Walter is the one that gives him the final calculations that he needs to jump in an area where there isn't a lot of people in. So I really appreciated that Walter did two things. He sort of unburdened himself, which he needed to do because this for several weeks on end has been driving him up a wall. And we actually really see it in this episode because there are various scenes where we see the team interacting with one another and Walter sort of favors Olivia more in this episode than he does Peter. All of this episode, Walter is sort of staying away from Peter because he feels ashamed when he has this giant weight on his chest. So that conversation with RoboCop allows Walter to unburden himself and to, and to really, really let it out, so to speak. But it also gives Walter an opportunity to do something that he wanted to do, but sort of in the right way, if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm really interested to know if Walter was in this situation that RoboCop was in, if Walter would have done the same thing that he did, or if Walter would have done things a little bit differently. Like, do you think that he would have figured out a way to save uh, RoboCop's wife? Or do you think that he would have gotten in that car and died just the way that uh, RoboCop did? It's tough to tell because a lot of Walter's speaking on this when they're having their big conversation is about how through his mistakes, he has come to believe in a higher power. And a lot of it is is a lot of religious stuff. He's hoping that eventually he will get a sign of forgiveness. And the sign of forgiveness is a white tulip. He basically, it's like a big speech about how only God forgives and it's in this higher power's hand, and he's looking for a sign to know that he did the right thing and can be forgiven. And I think that in absorbing that information, Peck may realize that what he wants to do is not save his wife and change the course of history for everyone by doing so, but he just realizes he would rather have died that day as well with her than carry on without her. I think that is kind of turning it over to like a higher power saying, he trusts enough in this that he would rather have the forgiveness than mess with the whole stratosphere of timelines. So it was it was interesting that Walter, we haven't really thought of him as having this religious struggle going on, but he kind of unburdened himself and said, like, we know throughout that he has for a man of science and they do. There is a line in this where somebody says man of science, man of faith, almost almost the exact phrasing. And I was like, oh, shit, I see you. Uh, but they, but they space it out a little bit. So it wasn't exact as they're having that talk. So I think it was interesting. I don't know if Walter had a do over what Walter would do. And I think that's part of what he's struggling with at this point in time as well. So obviously if he pulls her out of the car, eventually he's going to lose her again. So that kind of goes to this losing someone more than once theme that we've been struggling with the Peter and Elizabeth stuff. That's why he kept her kept Peter because Elizabeth would have been broken up if she lost him again. So I thought all of that was interesting, but then the fringe does that weird thing. What are you thinking as we find out that basically when RoboCop does what he was meant to do, none of this episode happened. He goes back and fringe team never investigated any of this shit, but Walter does get that envelope. And that's the only thing that hints that these events were not a daydream. They were actually something that happened and got reset. People of the podcast who don't know, I love time travel shit. And I don't like 
the type of time travel that was exhibited in this episode or if you do something you affect the rest of the timeline and whatever you do sort of whatever you end up doing erases the original timeline and everything goes back to normal at the end i don't like that sort of time travel i like time travel with consequences like what walter has done but i really appreciate that final scene where walter is writing the letter to peter primarily at the, at, at the beginning of this episode but he actually gets the letter from robocop showing him the white flower that supposedly is supposed to give him forgiveness but the only thing that i'm wondering at that moment is when walter looks at the piece of paper with the picture of the flower on it he looks up and i'm wondering is there any possible way that walter could know what happened here or is he just like oh this is a this is an interesting coincidence so if i wrote this episode i don't know how i would have handled the time travel dynamics but i probably would have done it a little bit differently so everything that RoboCop does in this episode actually affects the rest of the timeline. This episode was very affecting to me because it made me think of what would I do if I had access to time travel and what would be the consequences of everything that I did because I lost someone that I love so much or I, I told a girl who I loved that I loved her and I shouldn't have done that. So I'm really wondering, this episode really was a head thinker for me to, to, to put it more succinctly. Consequences of what has been done are the main thing that Walter has been wrestling with. And I did think it was interesting that he can't write that letter in this timeline now. He throws it in the fire or whatever. And then he gets that white tulip in the mail, which is the sign of forgiveness. Does he think God sent him a letter? Because if he didn't have this encounter, I think he'd be a little bit more freaked out that he got this in the mail when he's been thinking about God sending him a, a sign and then God literally drops a letter in the post. I'd be a little bit freaked out more so than Walter. But I think that's something for further down the road to worry about. Uh, the only other thing I do want to mention because we're talking bad robot shit. Obviously, when they are talking about electromagneticism and time travel and stuff, they do mention Faraday, which is a real scientist. So it's not our favorite Daniel Faraday. But any call out that basically references Lost has to be addressed. So Daniel Faraday on Lost was named after a real science guy, the Faraday Cage. And they do mention Faraday in White Tulip. So that was something that, as a bad robot fan, I'm doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme point, as they say Faraday. You mentioned the Faraday thing. When when they mentioned Faraday, I was like, <gasps> are they are they crossing universes? Are they talking about Daniel? But I was like, I you know, before Lost, I had no idea that Faraday was actually named after, you know, an actual scientist. When people say Faraday to me, I'm thinking about Daniel Faraday from Lost. I'm never thinking about the actual guy that he was named after. Also, I found it really interesting. I mean, this is a small little nugget, Matt, and I don't know if you picked up on this at all. But when Olivia says early on in the episode that she's experiencing deja vu, Peter says deja vu is just a feeling to tell you that you're, you know, exactly where you belong, right? Or you should belong here. And Peter says, I've never had deja vu in my life. So I'm like, I, I wonder why he's never had deja vu in my in his life. So I found that to be very, very interesting. And I, and I really liked that second nugget where Peter says, I've never had deja vu in my life. So that was the one time that they acknowledge what Fringe's version of deja vu has been up until this point. 
because if it's you having memories from your alternate self and his alternate self is dead, then he couldn't have memories from his alternate self bleed over. So that is a good catch. And definitely we ignore that definition of deja vu for the rest of the episode. But I guess they still did remember that that is what they told us deja vu was. So that is pretty interesting. As we head in to episode 18, the man from the other side, which of course references not only our favorite Batty Newton, but also Peter Bishop himself, which aired April 22nd, 2010, written by Josh Singer and Ethan Gross, directed by Jeffrey Hunt. Marcelo, how happy are you that the shapeshifters are back and still trying to tear a hole in the fabric of our existence? I am so happy because this episode addresses a giant issue that we've been dealing with for a large part of season two. And that's the big secret that Walter hasn't told Peter that he's from, uh, that he's from another universe. So I really love this episode for that reason within itself. But the other reason that I love this episode is Newton and his shapeshifters want to bring somebody from the alternate universe. And for them to do that, the frequencies of our universe and their universe have to be aligned and there is a sequence in this episode where that actually happens and you see a shadowy individual come over into this universe. So I really, really liked the buildup to that sequence. And I really liked, you know, you know, just seeing Newton and the shapeshifters set different points uh, throughout the city of Boston to make this sort of triangle that they need to open up this portal in the first place. So I found this episode fascinating, but the moment where I lost my shit is the final seconds of this episode. They are the absolute best. Yeah, they are really dynamic. And it is interesting because this whole time we have been assuming that someone would tell Peter or Walter would come clean to Peter, but it's not any sort of confession that actually has this information come out. It's the events of this week's plot that then Peter himself deduces what has happened. And it definitely causes a giant rift between the two Bishop men, something that may have been able to be slightly subverted if Walter had come clean sooner, but we're going to have to deal with that fallout. But I do like that the shapeshifters are back in a big way in this episode. We reestablish what they are trying to do, trying to bring things over tear a hole and bring something from their side to our side. And we do talk about how they have to sync up to try and find like the perfect spot where to do this, where is weakest. And again, as we have sort of been learning over water is kind of the perfect place, similar to Walter on the ice. So this big, interesting finale takes place on a bridge. And I thought that that was interesting, bringing back the pieces that we know about these soldiers trying to bring their reinforcements and their things over and the weaknesses that exist between our universe and theirs and how they can exploit those for their nefarious purposes, all while being like an interesting case that the fringe team has to solve and leading to that big finale where finally Peter learns the truth in a surprising way made for a very exciting and fun watch. And there are multiple, multiple Easter eggs in this episode. We do see a TV 
and it's playing actually a deleted scene from Lost. Um, so not a scene that was actually on the show, but so there is a quick cut of Lost on one of the TVs in this. The license plates are easy to recognize. I think one person has a license plate that says R2-D2 and somebody has a C-3PO license plate. So as a Star Wars fan, and of course this is well before Star Wars and Bad Robot would go hand in hand, but those references are there as well. I do think that the emotional heart of this and the intrigue created by who is this person that came over and how are Peter and Walter going to deal with this forward? Marcella, what are you thinking now that Peter knows the truth? He has a big fight with Walter. He does not want to hear Walter's side of the story at all. And who the fuck is this mysterious man that Newton has brought over? I think that for most of the season, you know, as long as Olivia has known Peter's secret, she has been sort of that one to sort of calm Walter down and tell him it's not going to be really bad once he, you know, fessed up and once he told Peter his true origins. But I really think that that decision from Olivia was faulty because I think that that was giving Walter false hope. And in the scene where Peter wakes up after being after getting the shit kicked out of him on the bridge, the way that Peter reacted was the way that Walter thought that he would react. But it was so heartbreaking seeing Walter really come to that understanding that things between him and this version of his son are never going to be the same again. So it was really heartbreaking to see Peter react the way that he did. But it's completely justified because Walter did something that shouldn't have been done. Whether he did it to pacify his own heart that was hurting or whether he did it to pacify the uh, the, the wishes of his wife who who is mentioned in this episode to have committed suicide so i really think that this episode is earth shattering and i cannot wait to see what uh what consequences this episode is going to have as far as the other man from the other side at first i was thinking newton failed and he didn't get the guy that he wanted to get but there's the end scene with a guy on a table and Newton is sort of giving this guy uh, medicine and he's pumping, him up, he's pumping him up with something. And this guy has like a gas mask on his mouth. And the last thing that we see is this guy or this individual holding Newton's hand. So I'm very, very curious to find out who this individual is and why he wanted to come over here so bad. Yeah, Newton calls him Mr. Secretary. So we know that he's some sort of important figure, but we're not quite sure who or why. And as you mentioned, the Peter Walter rift is going to be a big thing moving forward. Peter does react the way that Walter feared he would. And they really hit it home because earlier in the episode, Peter calls Walter dad for one of the first times. And Walter's really touched that he calls him that. Then the whole episode, Peter is dreading. He thinks that the news that Walter wants to tell him is about his mother's death and that she did commit suicide and didn't didn't just die of natural causes, which adds even more insult to injury because then when Peter puts the pieces together, he thinks that Walter kidnapped him as a child for selfish reasons and his mom found out and killed herself because she was distraught and feeling guilty over what Walter did and even if Peter gets the full picture and finds out that that wasn't the intention and that the reason that they actually kept him 
is because of his mother. I don't know if that's going to make him feel any better, but I love how this all happens where Peter gets stuck on that bridge trying to fix this device and the event starts happening and we see another guy on the bridge just get dissolved into nothing. It's like a Thanos snap happens and this guy's blown away. Peter is fine. And that's where he realizes that people from the other universe operate at a frequency that they could have been within that blast radius and not been affected. And so he realizes he's from the other universe. And then a lot of the dominoes start to fall. Walter having all of these false memories of things Peter liked as a child, yada, yada, yada. But I thought the way that Peter connects the dots was interesting, but also surprising to me because I wasn't sure that he would be able to take that leap. But they set up just enough of the breadcrumbs, even in this episode alone, for him to realize what had happened and come to those conclusions. And it is heartbreaking at the end where Walter is getting ready to go back to the hospital to try and fill in his son on his side of the story, comfort him and let him know why all of this happened. But Peter has checked himself out of the hospital and is MIA. So that is all up in the air still. Yeah, no, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't really surprised that uh, Peter was able to piece this together because as they're going to the bridge, Walter just, you know, just casually drops. Oh, by the way, if anybody is on this bridge while this event is happening, they're just going to disintegrate. So I really thought that that was a prompt for the audience that something was going to happen on the bridge to make Peter suspicious about who he is and where he's really from. The other thing that I found interesting in this episode, there's a whole bunch of callbacks to previous fringe episodes in this one episode. And there's a really cool, uh, there's a really cool nod to a specific episode. Our, our team is in the, our team is in the lab and Olivia says, Oh, the reason why they're, the reason why they're doing it over a bridge and over water is because they need the energy to disperse. Right. And that reminded me of the quote that William Bell told Olivia when she was in the other universe, right? About, about, about energy and how whatever energy you take, it has to be paid back. So I thought that that was a very, very nice nod to something that we have been, to something that we were shown previously when Olivia went through a goddamn window. The other thing, to back off what you said, when we saw Walter getting ready to go and see Peter, but finding out that Peter checked out of the hospital early, I really thought that that was a kick in the gut to Walter because of all the people that suffer in this episode, Walter gets his emotional ass kicked throughout this entire episode. And on one hand, I am very, very happy that it's happening to him because he deserves it. But on the other hand, I'm like, Walter's just a nice, misunderstood, psychotic scientist. He doesn't deserve this. This has been a long time coming and I'm really wondering if Peter is ever going to come back to his senses and come back to the team ever again. And, and if he doesn't, what kind, of, what kind of effect is that going to have on Walter moving forward? Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how this affects Walter and especially his mental state and stability because Walter is always teetering into having like a, a mental relapse. And this could be an event that sends him spiraling in some sort of way and it will also be interesting to see if peter is willing to 
hear anyone out on this matter. And how mad is he going to be when Olivia reveals that she knew? Will that be another betrayal or will he understand why she withheld the information? So there are a lot of balls being juggled and still in the air as we head into the final four episodes of the second season. We're finally turning over a lot of the cards. And now that the the universe war has been built up and up and up, we feel like we're at the precipice of where the fireworks are going to have to happen to figure out what the next stage of this is, which we will find out next week when we talk about episode 19, Brown Betty, and episode 20, Northwest Passage. So if you guys are watching along with us, those are the episodes we will be talking about next week on the pod. If you guys like the show, we appreciate you for listening. Please like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends. You can get at us on Twitter at JJUniverse815. You can tweet using the hashtag Radio815. We will read your comments, questions on the show. We also have a YouTube channel, Radio815 on YouTube for back episodes. If you prefer that format, I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. And Marcelo, if the people have any fringe theories they want to reach out to you about, What's the best place to do that? I'm also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. Thanks very much for listening. Until next week, Radio 815 is over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.